Welcome to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth. I'm an intimacy coach and psychologist. I created this show to explore the erotic alphabet, to help you learn more about desire and expressing your desires, discover ways to spice up your relationship and create that sizzling relationship you've always wanted. I do this through solid science, real life stories and interviews with an exciting variety of sex experts. Listen in weekly as I share key strategies to help you create your ideal sexual life. Make sure you join us to access even more sexual strategies on my blog, A to Z of Sex, access our monthly newsletter with subscriber-only offers at www.atozofsex.com. That's A-T-O-Z-O-F-S-E-X. Welcome to the A to Z of Sex. I'm Dr. Lori Beth, and I am your host. We are working our way through the erotic alphabet, one letter at a time. Just a reminder, this podcast deals with adult content, so if you don't have total privacy, you might want to put on your headphones. Today, the letter is V, and V is for vulva. Vulva comes from the Latin and means wrapping or outer covering. Fittingly, vulva is the word for external female sex organs. Many people improperly refer to this as the vagina, but the vagina is actually the internal canal. The vulva actually includes many parts. The vulva includes the mons, which is the external mound. It includes the labia majora and menorah, both sets of lips. It includes the clitoris and the vestibular bulbs, which are the bulbs of the clitoris. Finally, there are some glands in the area that are included as well as pubic hair when there is any. In many cultures, shame remains around the idea of the vulva. So much so that many women are embarrassed as to how they look and undertake surgery to change the shape and look of the vulva. I'll talk more about this later. Vulvas come in many shapes and sizes with many configurations. Normal is really equal here to healthy when we talk about vulvas rather than size or shape. Despite this, many women feel incredibly uncomfortable looking at their own anatomy and so have a warped idea as to whether they are normal or not. Given that in the West, the medical terminology used for the vulva is pudenda membra, which literally means parts to be ashamed of, it's no wonder that women find it hard to think about their vulva without shame. In other cultures, the vulva has been and still is worshipped as a symbol of the goddess. In Sumeria, the vulva was a symbol of Inanna, the great goddess. In the Hindu religion, the vulva continues to be revered today. In Eastern and Southern Africa, labia stretching is practiced and it's believed to bring greater sexual satisfaction to both partners. Now this is sometimes done simply by pulling on often the um, labia minoris. Um, But sometimes it's done with weights so that the weights are actually suspended so that the stretching happens. And it starts around adolescence. 
It's believed that this will bring much better sexual satisfaction to both partners. In some cultures, removal of pubic hair is seen as most attractive or necessary for hygiene. Some people enjoy a variety of genital piercings for, in, for fun and enjoyment. If piercings can cause lots of enjoyment as the nerves are stimulated by the piercing as well as looking nice. Why is it important to distinguish between vagina and vulva? Well, knowing the right terms for our body parts enables us to take full ownership of our bodies. If we don't know the right terms, how do we express ourselves clearly with partners and with our doctors? It's essential to remember that many people need clitoral stimulation to reach orgasm. And the clitoris is part of the vulva, but not part of the vagina. So if we're talking only about vagina, we're leaving the clitoris out. Let's talk a bit about vulvar pain. Pain can include burning, stinging, itching, stabbing, and throbbing. It can include rawness and irritation or problems with pressure. Pain can be on one, in one spot or it can come and go. Sometimes it arises on its own and other times it occurs as a result of touch, including sexual activity or maybe the insertion of a tampon or rubbing from tight form-fitting clothing sometimes sitting and even walking. Now there are a wide variety of causes of pain to this area so that at some point in their lives, most women will experience vulvar pain. The most common um, cause of pain, infections, and yeast and bacterial infections are the most common. The pain from these can range from mild itching to severe throbbing and burning. Herpes can also cause severe pain and itching, although it is often asymptomatic. Now, yeast and bacterial infections are relatively easy to treat. There are a variety of medications that are over-the-counter that you can get to treat them, but uh, there are also a variety of natural preparations that can help you treat um, problems with yeast, particularly if you're getting repetitive yeast infections. It's worth having a look at diet and also um, soaps and the kind of clothing that you're wearing. So if you're not wearing natural fibers. Um, pain can also be caused by damage to nerve endings, which can happen as a result of riding a horse, a bicycle, sexual activity or childbirth, or even an accident in which you hit that area of your body. Menopause can also cause swelling, inflammation, dryness, and discomfort. There's lots of treatment available for various of these conditions. You have to feel comfortable talking to your doctor about any discomfort or pain that you have in and around the vulva. For some women, tightness and chronic pain are an issue, and physical and sexual therapy can be extremely helpful. Biofeedback has been used for vulvar pain to teach women to control the body's response to pain triggers and also how to relax the pelvic floor. Topical anesthetics can be applied about 30 minutes before sexual activity and they'll make the sore area numb so pain is not experienced. 
Now, this is really only best if there's a very, if there's a small area of pain that you can localize. Because if you can't figure out where the pain is coming from or the whole area is painful, this isn't going to work because you'll be numb and you just won't feel anything, which, which is not the point when you're having sex. You want to be able to feel. Pelvic floor therapy can help to relax the pelvis and relieve pain and tensions. Nerve blocks can also be effective for someone who has so much pain that it's interfering with daily life. Now, I've had some clients who report so much pain when walking. Um, they describe a feeling of razor blades when um, their lips rub together that um, a nerve block might make sense because they cannot deal with the level of pain. But again, one has to remember that depending on which nerves are, are blocked, that will also lower your sexual uh, experience and your sexual pleasure because if you block nerves, you block both painful sensations but also pleasurable ones. It's always useful to consider avoiding fragrance products around the vulvar area. Some women develop really deep allergies that lead to itching and pain and ongoing problems. So it's useful to think about that. When pain is not from a specific cause and it's lasted more than three months, it's considered vulvodyna. The advice about vulval pain and itching and menopause can be quite conflicting. Sources are clear that the drop in estrogen causes changes in the vulva. Some suggest that dryness is the main cause and offer the option of lots of lubrication during sexual activity, but also just on a daily basis. But pain can also be caused by shrinkage in the tissues and less flexibility, and this will not resolve with lubrication. This can resolve by careful stretches, work on pelvic floor muscles for relaxation. For some people, gentle sex can help over time but if it's too painful to endure any kind of penetration, alternatives to penetrative sex need to be built into your sexual life if they're not already present. And this is probably one of the most common problems for people presenting with pain that come to me um, around menopause is um, the fact that they can no longer tolerate any kind of penetrative sex. And they're afraid that their entire sex life is gonna disappear. And you need to take some time if you are somebody who's really enjoyed sexual intercourse through um, most of your adult life. And if uh, you are finding um, that nothing that you've done medically to try and make it better has helped and you're still having pain on penetration and you're needing to possibly even eliminate penetrative sex from your sexual repertoire, you need to leave yourself some space to grieve because giving that up can feel awful if that's been one of your favorite methods of having sex. Um, so one part emotionally of dealing with it is to allow yourself to grieve that you're not able to do the things that you were once able to do. And then you need to look at alternatives um, and different ways that you can still be sexual and still have a great time. And there are plenty of them. There are tons of things that you can do that don't involve penetration. People can use have sex using fingers, using mouths and tongues, and using a whole wide variety of toys. None of that involves 
um, penetration. You can also look at penetration in other places like anal penetration um, and oral penetration. If that's something you really want to do, if you really want to keep penetration involved in your sex life, um, those are alternatives that can be a lot of fun um, and tremendously enjoyable and not be impacted by any vulval pain. Now, I'm going to give a trigger warning here because I want to talk a bit about female genital mutilation. And for some, just hearing those words is enough to really cause them to be triggered. In parts of Africa and the Middle East, female genital mutilation is performed still regularly. There are a number of forms of female genital mutilation. Um, one is the clitoridectomy, which is a partial or total removal of the clitoris. A second form involves the partial or total removal of the clitoris and the labia minora, but usually leaves the labia majora intact. The third form is infibulation, which involves narrowing the vaginal opening, and this is done by cutting and repositioning the inner or outer labia and often involves removal of the clitoris as well. These procedures are often not done medically and have a wide variety of devastating effects, including hemorrhage and sepsis, which can lead to death. Long-term effects, women can become infertile or find that labor is incredibly difficult or suffer from fistula and other conditions. Female genital mutilation is used to curb sexual desire in these cultures though it is acknowledged that even doing this does not always eliminate sexual desire. Many communities have a specific time during the year when girls who have reached the age undergo these rituals, which they are told transform them into women and prepare them for marriage. In some cultures, there's no ritual around it, but if you refuse to have it done, you will be considered unmarriageable. Female genital mutilation is, is illegal in many countries. Um, but there is still quite a strong cultural persistence in the surgery. Labiaplasty and other forms of cosmetic surgery have become far more popular in the past 10 years. Though many people see this as extremely difficult, sorry, extremely different from female genital mutilation, in fact, there are some similarities. Of course, the biggest difference is that female genital mutilation is non-consensual. It's usually performed on girls who are too young to consent. And cosmetic surgery is performed on adults who should be giving informed consent. Modern surgery is also done safely in a sterile environment, whereas female genital mutilation is usually not done in this way. Although there have been some countries who have instituted medical procedures, they find it hard to find doctors who are willing to do uh, the operations. The similarity is that both operations are the result of cultural pressure about how female genitalia should look, operate, and feel. There's lots of social pressure to undergo surgery that's similar to the social pressure for female genital mutilation. Surgery in the West is done to improve sexual desirability. The norms being sought are entirely cultural often the possible complications are not considered. The area is rich with nerves and there is a risk of nerve damage, even though that's very small 
it's still a risk and having no feeling in that area will cause significant ongoing upset for most women. Angie wrote in and said, my partner and I watch a lot of pornography together and we enjoy it very much. Recently, I've become worried about the way my vulva looks as all the actresses seem to have much tidier look to their lady parts. Should I consider surgery? Thanks for writing in, Angie. As I said earlier, there's no one normal size or shape for a vulva. If you're concerned that your partner is finding you less attractive because of your size and shape, have a full and frank conversation with them before even considering undergoing a surgical procedure. There are always risks with surgery, including ones that, including ones that have to do with infection, nerve damage, anesthesia reactions, and slow healing. If you're unable to increase your confidence by talking with your partner and exploring this area with a coach, then carefully consider all the pros and cons of surgery. Sometimes people rely on surgery as the cure to feeling unattractive or a lack of self-confidence, and they think that surgery, plastic surgery will help them build their confidence back. But in my experience, surgery on its own rarely resolves these issues, so think carefully and take advice before undergoing any type of surgery. Robin wrote in, I'm 60 years old and sex now hurts. I've tried all sorts of creams, ointments, lubes, but nothing has worked. What can you advise? Thanks for writing in, Robin. Painful sex can arise for a variety of reasons. You didn't say how long your problem has been going on, so I'm going to have to be a bit general. If you've been having painful sex for more than a month, it would be worthwhile to have an appointment with the doctor and try to diagnose what's actually causing the painful sex. There are a variety of treatments available that can help a lot depending on the cause of the pain. Now, if talking to the doctor feels embarrassing, take a deep breath and focus on the problem. Your doctor has heard many different problems and should treat you with respect and care. As for self-help, consider engaging in non-penetrative sex and see if that's less painful. If it's not, there may be some more stuff going on. For example, for women who have um, endometriosis, um, it doesn't matter what kind of sex they have sometimes, you know, depends on how bad the endometriosis is and where the extra tissue is. But for some, just getting aroused is painful. So you need to kind of have a comparison and look at what is exactly causing the pain before um, you can find ways of reducing it. And as I said earlier, for some people, um, penetrative sex just comes off the menu for an extended period of time. And they have to look for other ways to enjoy sex and grieve the loss of the sex that they previously enjoyed. Leo wrote in and said, my girlfriend gets embarrassed when I stroke her vulva and all the parts of her vulva, including her clitoris. She always seems to want to quickly move me on to penetration. Is there anything I can do to slow her down? Thanks for writing in, Leo. It's really refreshing to have a man write in about how he enjoys paying attention to a woman's genitals and to all the parts of a woman that cause her pleasure. 
First, talk with your girlfriend about her embarrassment. Start by reassuring her that you find all of her exciting. Make sure that the reason that she is moving you away is not that your touch is feeling painful or tickling and not in a good way. Once you're able to establish that it, it has nothing to do with pain or discomfort and it's around embarrassment, then talk with her and get her to agree to allow you to start slowly. And as you start to touch her, ask her what feels good and what does not. Take the whole process slowly. Pay good attention to her reactions and solicit her feedback as much as possible. You might even ask her to show you how she touches herself. If you show her how much you want to please her and how much you enjoy her, you're likely to be successful. Thanks for joining me for the A to Z of sex this week. Please write to me with suggestions for the show or any questions that you want answered at drlorybeth at a to z of sex.com. That's D-R-L-O-R-I-B-E-T-H at A-T-O-Z-O-F-S-E-X.com. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and check out my YouTube channel and my channel on Binge Networks. For a free 30-minute discovery session with me, please go to https colon forward slash forward slash the dash intimacy dash coach dot com and then head to the contact page and click where it says click here to access my calendar and schedule directly. If you enjoy the show, please do leave me a review on iTunes and or Stitcher. I'd really appreciate it. Join me next week when the letter will be W. And I thank you again for listening. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the A to Z of sex. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review here on iTunes and make sure you head over to www.atozofsex.com. That's A-T-O-Z-O-F-S-E-X to subscribe to my free newsletter to help you keep your sex life sizzling. Stay tuned for upcoming weekly episodes as we work our way through the sexual alphabet to discover the wide world of sex, sexuality, desire, and intimacy. Knowledge gives you the power to create relationships that bring you satisfaction and joy. Hope to see you next week.